0: Hello and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. This is uh, Josh Norris and Hudson Balinski here today, just like we are going to be every Monday or this is Tuesday since we had yesterday off for the holidays. Um, Today we are going to talk about uh, some things that we're going to do this upcoming weekend, Um, prospects a little bit on the amateur and uh, professional sides, and just what our schedules are going to look like in a couple weeks once uh, the college season really kicks off. We've got our college preview issue cooking and I think you guys are going to like the cover that's going to come out—it's a, a 1970s throwback theme, and we worked—we we all worked very hard on it, and uh, we did a lot of uh, extra things that we don't normally get a chance to do for the cover. And I think it's going to look very good from an aesthetic point of view. We got a special preview of it today, and it's certainly groovy, as uh, John Manuel said on Twitter earlier. So Hudson, just uh, what do you what do you uh, have just to, to start off this podcast?
1: So we're we're actually going to see some baseball for the first time in, in quite a while. Uh, getting down to South Carolina, going to the Diamond Prospects Pro Day, uh, which will be followed by an inter-squad game at the University of South Carolina, so um, it, it should be an exciting day. Um, we have you know at least one uh, possible day one player in the the Pro Day earlier and Ket Brown uh, commit to Miami. Um, I would say at this point there's not a great chance of him getting there um, as he is probably a day one guy, but a guy who's got probably as much power as anyone in the high school class this year um and you know evaluating the bat and uh, the bat isn't as you know isn't the carrying tool it's it's the power but um you know it'll be nice to see him you know hitting again and getting out onto the field and um you know there are some projectable arms that we are going to you know run into down there so be nice to get eyes on on players again for the first time you know for me in you know since you know really fall scout days so
0: it, it's been quite a while yeah i'm seeing on twitter that people are hearing pinging noises at, at Doak field at nc state and, <laughs> and people are getting giddy at this point about you know it's, it's a really nice day out here in north carolina it's about 60 degrees and finally uh, it, it's actually shorts weather if you don't know me i, I wear shorts pretty much every day <laughs> no matter whether it's 40 degrees or 90 degrees and today it actually looks appropriate um, it's a beautiful day, and it looks like baseball season's around the corner. It looks like winter's been beaten down for now. Um, so when you t- talk well, we about
1: should, should knock on wood for that, so because otherwise we will get poor weather and our weekends will be canceled.
0: So I'm not superstitious, uh... <laughs> just a little stitious. <laughs> <Office> <laughs> and ramps. that's the bad joke of the podcast, the upset <laughs> city that it came from Hudson and not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talked about Ket Brown's power. You know, how, where does it compare to it got? Guys in the past couple of draft classes, I mean, is it uh, would it be the best in last year's class? Uh, I mean, I, w- I would say so. I think that there there
1: would certainly be a debate there. In terms of just raw 5 o'clock power, um, yeah, I, I, I would say it's as, as good as anyone in last year's draft. Um, you know, it's certainly, you know, I don't think it's on par with a, you know, with a, a Gallo or a Bryant, um, but it, it's probably that next year down um, where you get into, uh, you know, 60, maybe 70 power rather than, oh goodness, 80 power, um, you know, with, with the, the Gallows and the Bryants of the world, but certainly a, a high-end prospect, um, you know, and, and if the power plays, then we have a serious dude here. Yeah, is he, is he going to hit, though, besides power? Um, we'll see. There seems to be some varying opinion on that in the industry. I know uh, some people do believe he's going to hit well enough for the power to play, um, others, you know, don't think so. Others think he's a, a well below average hitter, um, but, you know, it'll be exciting to kind of get eyes on him for the first time in, in quite a while. Um, he was a guy who, who was on the showcase circuit, um, so, you know, this will be the, the first you know, opportunity to see him outdoors for, I'm, I'm guessing, for a lot of people in quite a while, so, um, you know, see how he's, he's progressed physically um, and, you know, what
0: kind of adjustments he's made in terms of, you know, his swing and refining his mechanics. So just backing up a little bit, this is, this is the Diamond Prospects Pro Day. It's going to be in Columbia, South Carolina this Sunday. Can you, for, for people who don't know out there, just what is a scout day?
1: Oh, um, so uh, scout day is, is basically, I mean, so we'll see, we'll get there, we'll, you know, we'll wait around while all the players get registered, um, and then they'll run. Uh, so we'll see everybody run the 60-yard dash, um, we'll probably see an infield, outfield, um, get a chance to evaluate just raw physical tools rather than game skills. Um, we'll see people throw uh, from the outfield, from the infield, uh, and then we'll watch batting practice, and we can—that's where you can really evaluate bat speed and mechanics. Um, and then we'll see some bullpens as well. So it's the same sort of thing—you can evaluate, you know, raw arm speed or ability to spin. Um, you, you can't really. I mean, to an extent, you can watch somebody throw right down the middle, but um, you you can't really evaluate, you know, approach or, you know, how things play in games. But it's it's a good way to kind of cross people off as as either, you know, college prospects only or, you know, know, people you aren't interested in um, or, you know, to really, you know, point out who you should get a, a better look
0: at in a game, so... So you've, you've obviously done, we, we mentioned in the last podcast with you, you were a, an associate with a team for a couple of years, and so you've probably been a, How many of these things have you been to in your day? Um, in I've your seen, day, he says, to the 23-year-old. Uh,
1: 22. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty common. Um, I would say there's a lot of them in the fall, uh, especially... I mean, I would say pretty much all over the country. In the Northeast, we would have them you know, pretty regularly, um, and then even in the summertime, um, you know, there's a lot of unofficial things that go on, That you know, it's, you know, we want to see a few of these guys, you know, you know, get together with the summer team maybe, you know, and go to a field and you know, kind of work out one day, and you just get the looks at guys and you know, kind of identify people you want to really bear down on, or, you know, people you don't need to bear down on. It's It's a really... In my opinion, it's a useful way to
0: to kind of lay the groundwork for a scouting a player. So you mentioned there could be a couple of, of interesting arms at this thing. Uh, one of the names you talked about with me before the podcast started was uh, was Grant Cox. Tell me a little bit about him. So Grant Tell Cox, is, a little bit about him.
1: is actually uh, he's a shortstop. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't had the chance to really bear down on him before. Um, from what I've heard, he's a you know, a very solid defensive shortstop with you know some upside at the plate. Um, you know this spring it will be an opportunity for him to either distinguish himself as as a pro or you know we'll find out if he's you know going to need to go to school first to do that um but yeah this this should be he should probably be the second best position player there we'll see in terms of, you know behind Kepp brown um but yeah the on the arms side um there's an intriguing sounding player named jk love coming who's um, you know, six seven two fifty is how he's listed. Um, power fastball guy, and we'll see. You know what else is there? So he's certainly an interesting one. Uh, but you know, a lot of names that you know this time of year, you know, players get better and people pop up right about now. So um, there are unknown commodities who I'm, I'm sure will step up and it, at least show us something, even if it's. That they're just going to be—I I hate to say just—but that they're going to be really good college players. Um, you know, we'll see something. I'm sure we will.
0: So yeah, you did mention—he's a shortstop. Just—are there any real big arms? J.K. Love? Uh, the, there was was another arm. Who? Uh,
1: his name's Thompson. Uh, his first name is escaping me right now. But sort of a projectable guy who, you know, is already in the low 90s and apparently has some feel for spin. Um, but again, you know, these are guys who, who are some of these guys. After we, you know, pass up Ket Brown and, and Grant Cox, a lot of these guys aren't at the the bigger national showcases. So I really haven't had a chance to to bear down on. Um, and you know, when you talk to scouts in these areas, you usually don't you know lead off with with these types of guys. Um, and so I really don't have a ton of information past those those initial guys, and that's. That's sort of why this is a great event for us to go
0: to. Okay. So, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, he Hudson is my roommate. Uh, well, he's interning, and we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. But um, no comment. <laughs> but one thing that's been very clear over the last couple ten days, so he's, he's lived with me, is that he is incredibly stoked for baseball season to get here, e- even more so than I am, which heretofore seemed impossible. Uh, what do you have mapped out for the first couple weeks as far as college sch- the schedules go? And just some guys you're looking forward to seeing that, may, that people may not know. Uh. So, I mean, in terms of you know, people in the industry may know, or I'm sure
1: know a lot of these names, but um, you know, early in the season we're getting a lot of really good talent coming through. Um, opening weekend, I'm hoping to, to go down to Wilmington and have my first Division One college baseball game be Kentucky versus Ball State. On the mound um for Kentucky would be Kyle Cody, the big, well built, power fastball, you know, guy who can can spin the breaking ball as well. Um likely a first round pick. Um you know his his ceiling is is probably you know, he could force himself into the top fifteen picks in my opinion. Um and he'll face off against Andy Pleasak from Ball State um, at least that's that's the lineup you, the the two you would pencil in right now. We'd have to confirm that, but um, yeah, Dan Plesak's son um, and a guy who I don't know too much about, but I know that he's on he's on people's radar as a potential first rounder in 2016. So, um, you yeah, know, definitely a guy who's going to have a chance to to get seen by some heat uh, going up against Kyle Cody. Yeah, and
0: around the area, we'll, if you're in Wilmington. Um, at East Carolina uh, Virginia is going to come in and they're going to bring obviously uh, Nathan Kirby with them and I'm sure we'll get to see him at some point this year in many different places mm-hmm. and he's obviously a first first round talent definitely I mean that's going to be exciting and we're going to get all sorts of talent all through the year with uh, the, the ACC being here and the ACC tournament being Durham which is about five minutes from the Baseball America offices if uh, y'all don't know where we are Uh so what what else are you looking for the first the next maybe the next week we got UCLA in here which is obvious you don't get too many Pac-12 teams coming through North Carolina that often but you also mentioned a guy from Longwood that you wanted to see who comes in fairly early if I remember correctly
1: so he comes in early March he's a guy named Kyrie Washington who is a is a, just a, a very toolsy player a guy who has some power and some speed in the outfield and you know what excites me about about that is he coming in. I believe, at UNC for a Tuesday game, which you don't get a lot of first, you know. I mean, I don't know if he's quite in that first round yet. He certainly has a chance to to play himself into it. Um, But he's more of a a second, third round type. But you don't get a lot of those guys to just roll in on a Tuesday. Um, So that'll be a nice opportunity to to get eyes on an elite talent, you know, midweek, which... uh, you know, right. certainly you can't do it with pitchers. it's just not how college baseball works,
0: but um you know definitely an exciting guy speaking of of elite, of elite talent that we'll get eyes on fairly regularly around here how uh, how excited are you to get eyes on Michael Machuela at some point this year or probably many points this year quite frankly
1: you know the thing like I was actually thinking about this this morning, I kind of forget about him since he's he's you know I know I'm gonna have a chance to see him. So I kind of you know plan okay this week we might get this guy or that guy, and then I forget we we have a guy who could be the number one overall pick right here, and uh, you know obviously the profile is is kind of absurd, uh, so you know to to kind of to, to finally put you know to put eyes on that kind of talent is is something I'm really
0: excited about. Yeah, and you're gonna get multiple chances to to see him again. We're we're in Durham, North Carolina, and Duke is right here. Mm-hmm. You'll know, get to see him at you know, against NC State, against North Carolina, ACC Tournament, this, that, and the other thing. So gonna be, it's going to be like uh, Carlos Rodon again, uh, just like we had last year. We've been yeah. spoiled over the last couple of years with top flight talent just right in our backyard within 20 minutes of driving range. Um, but let's shift gears a little bit. Um, instead of the amateur stuff, uh, we can talk about the other thing we're doing right now is getting ready for the top 100. We're going to have a college preview issue come out. Uh, whichever the next one is on newsstands, and then after that is our top 100 issue. And this is your first um, experience put, helping to put, put together a top 100 list. So, you know, what do you think of the process so far? Um, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm
1: excited to, to learn more about it. Um, I try not to look at look too deeply at, at everyone else's lists. Um, kind of just let my own my own uh, opinions and ways of valuing things. Influence my list and then you know take that to you know to our meetings when we kind of pound the table for guys um, But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that I, I think that there's certainly players who there's certainly things that I find myself valuing more than it than others and I think that's the kind of the most exciting thing is that we have however many of us weighing in on that and you know debating with different biases so
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's about the only thing we do that has our own personal biases or tendencies or just preferences in them. The top 30s are, you know, uh, are, are the foundation of which are, are, are scouts and all the calls we make and talks to executives and other stuff like that. Same deal with the league top 20s. But this, I mean, obviously scouts opinions are, they do figure in this, but... It's also lo- the
1: thing I want to mention is it's different scouts that we're talking to. We all have different sources that we, we value in different ways, so I think that's you know a point that kind
0: of gets lost sometimes. Yeah, and this is one of the few times that we can allow our, our personal like uh, opinions through. We've seen a lot of these guys, I and mean, I know right. I've seen a million of these guys uh, outside of maybe some of the West Coast dudes, and... If a guy played well in front of me and the stats back it up, he might jump up higher for my list than he would on Hudson's list, and then Hudson will tell me I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, Exactly, because these lists
0: are all about right and wrong, and there, everyone who disagrees with me is wrong. So There is a master list somewhere of the top 100 prospects in baseball, and just you know, some of us have trouble reading it <laughs> and disregard it as the master list. Um, so do you think there's a consensus number one prospect in baseball? Uh, I think there is a consensus. I,
1: I think that uh, some people from the Twins may disagree with that consensus, um, but I, I think right now it's it's pretty clearly Chris Bryant. Um, and I, the, the reason I, I mentioned that point about the Twins is I think if you, if you believe Byron Buxton is that these are freak injuries and that these are not going to be, you know, something we see going on in the future, then I think that it's arguable that it's a better profile. I, in fact, I think it is a better profile. I mean, when you talk about, he, he doesn't have an average tool because all of them are at least plus. Right. So it's it, it's pretty insane to think about how good of a player he can be on
0: both sides of the ball. About the only plus tool he doesn't have right now is health. Yeah. And you know that can change from year to year. Mm-hmm. And for theirs for the sake for their sake, the Twins hope so. I mean, we talked about it at nauseam last year, but. Last year was supposed to be the grand stage for Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano at the Futures game at Target Field to show the world, like, we've got this monster at third base, and we've got this monster in center field, and we've got all the monsters we can't show you because of roster limits, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Miguel Sano had Tommy John surgery, and Byron Buxton was hurt also, so you got Alex Meyer, which was a... And Kenneth Vargas. And Jose Barrios, no? I'm sorry, Jose Barrios. You didn't get Alex Meyer. My bad. Good call. But Jose Barrios and uh, Kenneth Vargas. And those were two pretty nice things to show off, too. And Kenneth Vargas made an impact at the end of the year. In uh, Yeah, it was a surprising one that,
1: that kind of flew through the minors. I remember a couple years ago being down in Fort Myers, seeing a, a batting practice round with with him and Buxton at the same time. And, you know, he was just like a massive load really from both sides. Massive load dude who could put the ball football fields away. Like just maybe in a little bit of exaggeration. But, yeah. <laughs> but just like <laughs> easy plus raw and just pounding it out to all fields,
0: like absurd power. And I think that's where the talking to scouts comes in, because if you went on his numbers alone, if you went on his his baseball card alone, say, eh, at the beginning of last year, he interesting guy. But then you talk to scouts at the beginning of the year, and they were starting to come around on him. He, he's lost weight, and he's, his swing is, is Or he's, he's equally balanced from both sides of the plate, and this is a guy who could jump up, and you start taking those notes down, and by the end of the year, he's in Minnesota, and he's hitting home runs. He's not walking, but he's, he's, making, a, he, he's making people stand up and listen mm-hmm. at, uh, in, in twins gear, and I think that's uh, very helpful to, to color the way we do this. He was, certainly jumped up on my board last year and was very happy to see him get some home runs from Minnesota.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting profile, and especially when you think about how how power is valued in the game today versus you know, maybe five to ten years ago, I, I think that power, especially from the right side, I mean, is extremely valuable. When you can see a guy like Yoan know, Cespedes get traded for as much as he gets traded for with you know low on-base toils and... You know, low low batting average, but just raw power. I mean, there's also the defensive component of Sisbadis, but yeah, I just think that power
0: in this game right now is extremely valuable. So and we we've we've covered the fact that you're going to have uh, probably Chris Bryant number one on your list. Uh, I imagine Buxton falls all the way to two. Yeah, and and I, I think like
1: at this point it would be it would be hard to put Buxton ahead of Bryant, but. I, you know, I kind of want to. I mean, if, if there there was more track record of, of health in this past year or even, you because know, when he was on the field, he, he never really had a chance to get going, so there's, you're looking at really over a year since he's shown you those insane tools at a consistent
0: level. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's perfectly fair for him to be number two. So, I don't know how deep you've gotten on your top 150, but what kind of Player groupings strike you. I mean, are there is there a glut of this, that, or the other thing in uh, in the game today that you think that you're just wow? There's so many of uh, shortstops or lefties or anything like that that strikes you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton of
1: shortstops, and and that's um, that's I think a, a function of how we've come to value defense today, and as an industry, we've come to value defense. And you know, you you've seen a lot more up the middle players drafted high, and and that's just fact over the, over the past five to ten years, uh, because you know people are recognizing that you have nowhere to go if you can't play first base. You know, so um, you know, but the, yeah, the shortstops I think I have, I have maybe five in my top fifteen, um, and and then there's. Baez, who's graduated. Yeah. So I mean, when you when you figure that in, like, it's it's definitely noticeable that that's the the most prominent position.
0: And I think it's it's true that a lot of these shortstops, I, the five of the, the guys I think off the top of my head have a good chance of not playing shortstop yeah. uh, in the future. I mean, I think the only one in my top five or so shortstops that is definitely going to stick at shortstop is J.P. Crawford. Well, no two. Lindor and J.P. Crawford. I was going to say. Yeah, I missed one of them there. Um, I was thinking, I mean, Tim Anderson might not stay at shortstop. Uh, Corey Seager might not stay at shortstop. Mm -hmm. Addison Russell, we'll see. I mean, depends. they've got many, many shortstops with the cause. They've got Castro, they've got Baez, who if you want to play him there, you've got Addison Russell, so only one guy can play at a time. True. I mean, I I
1: think in in terms of the the tools, Russell is, is certainly... Different from a guy like like Seager, um, in that I can see him staying sticking up the middle if there's a spot for him, or st- sticking at shortstop if there's a spot for him. Um, whereas Seager, I think is you, know, you you stick him at shortstop as long as you can, and until it goes wrong, he's a shortstop. But I think he's more likely to end up at third base, and I think that that's a a pretty
0: commonly held opinion. Yeah, I think that's that's fair too. I mean, it's some like I said, Russell is included just only because of the situation he's in. Right. If he were still in Oakland, there'd be, you know, no question about it. So, I mean, you... one other thing,
1: and, and Ben Badler wrote about it is, Yohan Moncada is not you know, eligible for this list right now, right, because he's unemployed. Unemployed, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's there's if you you talk about a glut of one position, then. He, there's like another guy who is likely to play shortstop in the minor leagues. Um, you know, probably doesn't fit there long term. But I mean, it's the same kind of thing. And at least for me, that would probably put that would put four shortstops in my top six. Uh, so, you, you guys, will let I'll let the listeners kind of think about what the order is. But yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's it's a stupid amount of shortstops. And this is the same theme we had last year with a stupid amount of shortstops in the minor league. If you remember our cover from last year's issue was I think five shortstops on the covers, and this is the new wave and there's even more coming behind them. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 an interesting year for that position. There are some really unbelievable arms in the minor leagues. That's yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up
1: with you. Uh, you know in terms of the arms, is there one that you, you feel we talked about this earlier about having our own personal biases is there one arm in this group that, that kind of sticks out as a, you know, maybe a top 25 guy that you have that isn't necessarily a consensus top 25 guy or, or something like that at
0: least? No, I don't think there's anybody who I have in my top 25 who people are going to disagree with. I mean, I love Julio Urias. I think everybody loves Julio Urias. Mm-hmm. I love Lucas Giolito, and everybody loves Lucas Giolito. And I like Tyler Glasnow, and I like... Uh, who else do I? Oh, Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. I think he's really high for me, but I don't think anybody's gonna say, "Oh, you're 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 a crazy person for having those guys that high." So, uh, what about you?
1: I mean, on the pitching side, I think that the the one I, I might get some flack for is, and I think it's totally defensible. But at number twenty-two, right now, at least, I'm still in constructing my list. But tugi Toussaint is there, and I think that. Him being so so far from the major leagues in terms of where he's played, I think um, a lot of people would disagree with having him that high, but I think that his ceiling is as high as any pitcher in the minor leagues right now. Uh, When you just look at the raw arm speed, arm action, the delivery, and then, oh, he's got a potential 70 curveball, Um, and then a changeup that has impressed a lot of people. So, I mean, I think... When you, you look at all the raw materials, they're there for him to be to end up being the best pitcher of this group.
0: Yeah, and I think you're going to be the high man on him. Um, when he talks about personal biases, I mean, I'm mean, i sure you've seen him way more than I have. I've gotten one inning of him in my life, and it was a very fantastic inning, but it was one inning. So he's going to be, I think he's on my list so far. I'm I'm about to about 75, and I know he's in there somewhere. I couldn't tell you where. I'm not withholding. I just don't remember off the top of my head. Hudson was smart enough to bring his laptop in here. Uh, So, you know, kudos to him. And, you know, now that I think about it, the one guy, I don't think he's going to be on, necessarily be on my top 150 or top 100 or anything, but that I am, well, sure he will, that are, that are, I'm higher on than most other people is Tyler Danish. Mm -hmm. And that's because I kept seeing, I saw him bad once and then he was spectacular every other time out. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just got lots and lots and lots of swings and misses. The stuff wasn't, you know, blow you away. It was 92 if you really humped up for it. Mm-hmm. But the slider and the changeup got lots of swings and misses, and that's what I want to see at this level. And he was 19 years old in high A and putting kids away. And we'll see how he does at the upper levels, but I liked him a lot.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting one, and I, I think that's an interesting kind of philosophy that um, you know some scouts kind of will get into with, when, when stuff, I mean, and I'm not necessarily saying this is the case with Danish, um, when stuff doesn't fly out at you as plus stuff, but people are swinging over it and people are missing it, you kind of have to think again, you know, what, what else is there? Um, and certainly, you know can, certainly you can pick up deception in a delivery, um, but sometimes you can't always. And so, you know, when you have a guy, and, and the guy who kind of comes to mind for me is, um, a guy who I got to see in college right before the draft was Sean Manaya who was struggling with you know a hip issue and was not showing people the the power fastball that he had uh, you know on the Cape that previous summer but was pitching at 89 92 and getting a ton of swings and misses on it really that entire spring and you know, an average slider at that point and you know still yeah, you know, a guy who was able to to be
0: effective, so you knew there was something to it, um, but yeah. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about pitching. Um, the Nationals obviously over the weekend added Max Scherzer to an already enviable rotation. Um, I, I assume the physicals passed, and all the eyes are crossed, and the D's are eyes are dotted, and the T's are crossed, whichever however letters work. Uh, <laughs> so if you had your choice, would you take the Nationals staff, which I, I would lay out as in no order. Scherzer Strasburg, uh Fister, Gonzalez, and Zimmerman, or the Philly staff of a few years ago. Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels Roy Halliday, Roy Oswald, and Joe Blanton.
1: Um, I think your inflection with Joe Blanton kind of kind of sells it to, towards the Nationals. I don't think I
0: inflected with Joe Blanton, but <laughs> I
1: mean Joe Blanton mean uh, Joe Blanton will, was still effective in his time with the Phillies, but oh no question. Uh, but I think you look at any one of those guys for the Nationals, and I'm comfortable with them as my day one, my game game one, game seven starter. You know, so I, I think
0: in the that depth is incredible. No, I mean I was going to ask you how many of those guys are true aces to you? Uh, true aces.
1: I mean. I would say Scherzer is is a true ace. Um, I I don't know if I consider i mean, I'm, I think there's probably maybe five or so aces in baseball, uh, but I don't know if I would I would consider
0: all of them really good number twos. Yeah, they. they um, I think if you split them up between five clubs, they'd all start on opening day. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: yeah, but but I mean the ace tag. I think that you see a little bit more out of if Zimmerman takes that I mean continues on the trajectory he's been he he could certainly be considered an ace um, same thing with Strasburg and uh, Fischer doesn't necessarily have the the stuff of a prototypical ace but uh, I think when you talk talk about the command um, and the pitchability uh, I think there's certainly an argument to be made there um, so yeah I I, I don't personally wouldn't call them all aces but i think that they all have ace material
0: yeah i think i think we say this last every last couple of years now that the washington is just shaping up to be nasty mm-hmm. unbelievably nasty especially if Bryce harper gets back on track and you know doesn't hurt himself again yeah and and after anthony rendon is at his coming out party and
1: tanner roark had
0: yeah tanner, an outstanding year absolutely he came out of nowhere yeah and and then you want to figure in Taylor Jordan or Blake Trinan or They're, AJ Cole at some point. AJ
1: Cole, oh Lucas Giolito. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> this
0: year, but someone was someone on Twitter was talking about what if they pulled a Fernandez with him and <laughs> said, "Hey, you're up."
1: Well, they they have the they the, have the rotation locked down. Pieces in the major leagues to avoid doing that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, they can they can take their time with him and you know let him blossom into a player who's going to be very effective for. His six plus years of service time, so, and I think that's that uh, that depth in terms of their prospects is what it allows them to go out and you know go all out for Scherzer, um, and you know not go out and I mean really not make a, a huge effort to extend Zimmerman this off season and um, yeah I, I think they have it's very interesting what they've done but they also have. Uh, pretty good backup plans
0: yeah and we we talked about the nationals farm guys. We talked about giolito we didn't mention reynaldo lopez mm-hmm. and we didn't mention eric fetty who won't mm-hmm. pitch this year but won't p- i don't think he'll pitch this year I don't know when he gets tj but towards the
1: end of last season so, yeah, so he's out for a while it's, it's possible in theory he might be a guy who's ready
0: to go by instructs um so but it, it, in any case they have enviable talent in the major leagues uh, as far as the rotation goes, and enviable talent in the minor leagues, as far as the rotation goes. So they are set up.
1: And then when you when you talk about the Ian Desmond situation, uh, Trey Turner's pretty
0: good. Uh, Excuse me, he is not a national yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is a San Diego Padres shortstop. I mean, if they can find a way to get him somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were a betting man, that's the one trade I think I see would have. I would think... Trey Turner is going to be a national at some point this season. I, or we're Heard obviously of here first, folks, or like 40th. Uh, we're obviously poking fun at a very uh, sticky and bad—I would say bad—scenario for for Trey Turner.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have to believe that the the two teams will will find a way to make it work out. Um, you know, otherwise things could get get ugly between the two of them going forward, which I think neither side is interested in, so I I think it'll, I have to think it'll work out in the end, um, and we have a talent like Trey Turner, um,
0: you know, that's a guy you're gonna bet on, so I, I, just keep him in bubble wrap for, you know, the first couple months of the season and then get him over to the Nationals to complete that trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, I think there's also, this kind of sets in motion a potential rule change, um or stricter enforcement of the rules. Um, so I think we'll, we'll start to see at some point soon some traction in that, that ruling about the, the player to be named later.
0: Well, you know, I think, uh, I think this is pretty good for this uh, episode of Hudson and Josh Talk Baseball, uh, or catch your name to be named later. <laughs> Hudson and Josh Talk Baseball is, is bad. It's, uh,
1: it's bad, still not your worst idea for the name of the podcast.
0: No, not even my third or fourth worst. <laughs> um, with that, we say goodbye until Monday, when we'll come back and talk to you about what we saw on Sunday in South Carolina. And I'm sure we'll Hudson will have lots of observations, and so will I. Um, we'll probably have some video and and uh, stories on the website about Wish what we people
1: was. can check out uh, baseballamerica.com. Yes,
0: if I- they subscribe. I don't know if it'll be paywall just oh. yet, but it'll be up there. It was such
1: a good setup, but... Oh. Yes,
0: well, subscribe anyway, because there's all sorts of awesome, cool stuff that is produced by people like Hudson and me and other people in the office, John Manuel, J.J. Cooper, Jim Schoner, Matt Eddy. And Ben Badler stuff is... And Ben Badler stuff. Unreal. It's an all-star team of baseball writers, just not athletically. And,
1: and one thing I want to want to put out there is we've been pounding away at these college previews, is we're really getting deep i mean around the office you you can constantly hear someone on the phone whether it's lanana or or jimmer it's, it's somebody's always pounding the phones on the college baseball side and that that's coming up and i'm, I'm really excited about our college baseball
0: yeah. coverage once again the our our college preview is going to be the standard for all college previews yeah and you can take that to the bank uh once again we'll try to sign off again this is josh norris <laughs> and this is hudson Bolinski. thanks for listening thanks for listening